Hi, I'm Hakan Hayretin, and you're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards, and joining me is just Dickie Wharton this week. Just me and you, Dickie. Hello. Yes, uh, it's a very intimate Sunday afternoon, but uh, yeah, no, it won't be any the worse for it, I hope. I can turn the lights off if you want, make it a bit more intimate. <laughs> no, no, we're fine as we are, thank you. <laughs> we've just, to be fair, we've just spent three days together, so we've, uh, we're probably sick of the sight of each other anyway, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, probably the less said about that, the better. No, um, no, just our, uh, our trip to Carnarvon for the, the, the Wales-England game in midweek. Um, but yeah, back to league action this weekend. Don't forget to... Listen to that now. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, if you have subscribed, you should have it already uploaded to your device. But you'll hear all about our trip to Carnarvon and Wales seat versus England seats. Fair to say, it didn't go to plan for England, but you can hear all the build-up to that and the post-match reaction from that. Now, as Dickie mentioned, it is the FA Trophy semi-final. So it's a chance now for Bromley or Wrexham to make up for trophy heartbreak in the past. Both are losing finalists over the last 10 years. Bromley beat York and Wrexham beat Stockport County. And I know you're purring over Paul Mullins' goal in that Wrexham game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I've read the, the the report from the game in, in today's non-league paper. And, it, and, and in some senses, it sounds like... Um, as 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 good as both sides are, it did sound like they cancelled themselves out a little bit. But uh, yeah, literally, when the game is is looks like it's heading to penalties, Paul Millen with an absolutely fantastic finish. Um, I only thought this morning it's the kind of goal that would have graced a game at a much higher level. And if we think about it, then you know potentially that's where Wrexham and Stockport may both be next season at, at a higher level. Like, you know that that there is a sort of a an elevation of the, um, you know, the, I'm not going to say the overall standard of play, but, you know, the, having two big teams like that duking it out in, in this league and in the FA Trophy has, has added so much interest to this season. Um, and then adding a second goal um, in, in something like the fourth minute of injury time to seal it. Fantastic day for Wrexham. Um, I read Dave Challoner. He said, you know, we've, we've got nine further cup finals to prepare for now, you know, referring to the, the games they have left in the league. They still hold a considerable lead in that one. But um, as well as getting to Wembley and what a great story that is for Wrexham and Ryan Reynolds and their TV documentary, you know, that's going to be fantastic. Potentially, a, you know, a bit of a psychological blow for them as well to, to have um, um, sent Stockport backing. Yeah, and it's a shame it wasn't the final, really, because I reckon you would have been looking at 40,000, 50,000 at Wembley. But that's not to say that Bromley might not bring a few fans down either. They'll be up against Wrexham, as we mentioned. They saw off York, Dickie. Yeah, they did. It sounds as if this this maybe went a little more the way people might have expected it, although Bromley's league form hasn't been fantastic of late. And York City's form has been pretty exceptional to be honest in National League North but maybe it is just that slight difference in the the standard between the two leagues that ultimately made the difference. Um, York did lead in the first half uh, through a goal from Kirk Willoughby but it was two goals from Michael Cheekerman we spoke to in midweek who uh, making his England C debut on Wednesday who got the two goals um, that put them in the lead and then a, a third goal in injury time for Bromley put the seal on it. John Askey a bit rueful afterwards by the sounds of things, felt that York didn't make the most of the chances they had in the first half, that they were very much on top, but only had the one goal to show for it. Um, and again, that might be, be a little bit of the difference between the two levels in that, um, you know, Bromley have a, a clinical striker in Michael Cheek up front for them. And, and ultimately it's his goals that put them through. It's good to see two National League teams in the final. We've not had that for a while. It's either been like National League North against National League or even lower, like Hornchurch were the winners last year. So it's good that there was, well, there's three National League clubs in the semi-finals out of four. And it is an all-National League final because it is a competition that sometimes we have said that maybe the National League teams, certainly up at the top, haven't taken seriously. Yeah, I think there has there has been that feeling sometimes in that in that when teams are going for promotion, that they maybe don't view the FA Trophy as a, a competition, a priority. I'm sure they would like to win it, 
but it isn't a priority. And when teams are on limited resources and, you know, you're potentially looking at resting, giving some players a rest at the end of a long season with with big league games to come up, then maybe the trophy is is does get sacrificed slightly. It may just be a measure of the resources that both Wrexham and Stockport have got that, you know, they can rest players and they still look very, very strong. But yeah, they absolutely have taken this competition seriously. Um, meeting in the semi-final, uh, yeah, the, the final would have been the, 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 the perfect setting for, for that game yesterday. But it wasn't to be. And uh, Bromley, you know, they're a fine side and, and uh, it's all set up for an intriguing final on the 22nd of May. Yeah, well, it went to form in terms of our poll as well on Twitter at an L full time. 80% said Bromley would get through and they were proved right in the end. We didn't have a vote as such, but I know you put um I know you put a nice little we put a nice little gif up, didn't we? Saying we couldn't decide who's going to Wembley. A few of the replies we got were basically saying stop put county three one. That didn't go to plan in the end there. But uh, we can't all be right on everything, can we, I suppose? <laughs> No, I mean, you know, looking from the outside, it was a game that really was too close to call, I think. Um, and and that, <clears throat> I think now that Wrexham have gathered their form in the league and have been on such a good run and, and we are now, perhaps they were almost meeting at the ideal time for us to get a measure of, you know, who is, I wouldn't say the better side, but uh, they could play each other 10 times. And I don't think we'd be able to call who would win on on nine of those occasions. To be perfectly honest, um, as I say that, I've you've, you've got to look and think that there's every um, chance that both of these sides will be playing their trade in a high division next season. Yeah, part two of that is to come later on in the month. And of course, that will be a televised game, unsurprisingly. And that could well be a well, it could be a title decider depending on how Stockport do over the next few weeks, or it could equally see if Wrexham can secure at least a home playoff spot. Now, as we mentioned last week, we've teamed up with Manscape, and we're going to give our Manscape moment of the week. And Dickie, what's yours? It's going to be Paul Mullins' goal, his first goal in that game yesterday. I just think for the for the occasion um, and at the, the timing of the game um, and, the, and the quality of the finish, I think for, for him to take on that shot that he did um, at that point in the game. I mean, you might look and think to yourself, well, you know, you're going into the dying seconds. Is it a hit and hope? It didn't look like a hit and hope to me. It looked like a very, very deliberate finish. Spotted Ben Hinchliffe slightly off his line um, and just a terrific finish. And, and uh, as I say, it would grace a league much higher than the National League a goal like that. Yeah, I'm going to go. I could have gone for Grimsby's win at Chesterfield, which we will We'll speak about very, very shortly. But I'm going to go for Woking winning at Boreham Wood. They reported Darren Sal last Monday. He left Yeovil to go there. And they became the first team to win at Boreham Wood this season in the league. And it was a Max Kretschmar penalty on 75 minutes. And that was after they'd gone down to 10 men as well. Rowan Ince had been sent off. And that was a, a fantastic win for Woking. We'll talk about that more later on. As mentioned, we have teamed up with Manscaped, who are the best in the men's and women's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offer precision engineering tools, and you can get the performance package 4.0, and it is a game-changer. Within it, you'll find a lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is amazing. I trimmed my beard with it the other day, and the hairs don't go everywhere. It stays in the guard. You've got a little brush that comes with it, so you can just brush them out and dispense it wherever. It's also got a little light on, so you can... Shave in the dark, basically, and see what you're doing. It's got a cutting-edge ceramic blade as well to reduce accidents. Thrown in with that, you've also got the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer, which I really, really like as well, fully recommended. And they'll chuck in a little bag for you as well with a couple of extra gifts in there, including the Manscaped boxes, and you get the Shed Travel bag for it all to go in, and it is a beautiful little bag as well. So it's time to take care of yourself. So if you want all of that, go to manscaped.com, enter the code NL full time, and you'll get 20% off plus free shipping. So looking at the National League, as we mentioned, Stockport County are top, of course, even with that defeat because they've got a, a big cushion on the teams around him. It's down to 10 points. So Halifax, who'd lost their last two before coming into this weekend's games, 
they got a march on everyone by beating Wheelstone by two goals to nil. And one of the, I think one of the few players to come out of the England C game with credit was Billy Waters and maybe being picked for that game and giving him loads of confidence because it was he who got the two goals on Saturday. Yeah, he did. Um, he was brought off the bench by Pete Wilde about 10 minutes into the second half with the scores locked at nil-nil and, and ultimately he's proved to be the, the decisive factor scoring in the 60th and the 75th minute. Um, and uh, yeah, a fine, uh, a great result for, for Halibex. I mean, Wheelston, you look at the respective positions in the league table and you would have expected a Halifax win, but Wheelston, you know, we know that the way they go about things this season is is generally positive. Uh, Stuart Maynard said afterwards, look, you know, we're, we're, we've come so far as a football club that even to be in a position to lose till 2-0 away at Halifax Town is progress for us. Um, and I think he's right there, but obviously... Halifax have got their eyes on on a bigger prize. And um, yeah, using the the fact that Stockport and Wrexham were both out of action yesterday to, to move into second place. Yeah, Wrexham stay in third. Solihull Moors, they go up to fourth. They beat Mainhead by three goals to one. Andrew Dallas got two goals in the first half. Josh Kelly got a goal back on 52 minutes before. Harry Boys sealed it in the last minute. They leapfrogged Chesterfield, who rather surprisingly lost at home to Grimsby. Are the, wheel, are the wheels coming off for the Spyrites? They took the lead in sixth minute through Lawrence Maguire. Grimsby roared back John McAtee and Gavin Hollihan, who's recently signed from Hartlepool. A great signing for them. They had them 2-1 up at a break. Harry Clifton added a third. And then they got a fourth in the 78th minute through Ryan Taylor and... Uh, it's been a really interesting day, certainly in the playoff places in the National League, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. I mean, um, that, that's a big result for Grimsby. They're in the playoff places now, um, and that helps to keep them in them. As for Chesterfield, you know, we've been we've been looking week after week, and and you know, they've not been getting um, great results at all, and they've down to fifth in the table. Um, I think perhaps the concern, well. I looked at the table this morning and Boreham Wood have something like four games in hand on them and are nine points adrift. And you look and you think to yourself, that's not completely out of the question that Boreham Wood could catch them. I think the, the bonus for Chesterfield at this point of time is Boreham Wood's poor form. I mean, they've had their um, breakaway to Dubai, I think it was, as a reward for their FA Cup run, but it didn't look to have done anything for them yesterday, as you said, losing at home to Woking. So th- there is a little bit of... Um, there's a few sides at the fringes of the playoff race who, who nobody seems to want to reach out and grab it. You've got Chesterfield who don't seem to be able to put a break on their fall at the moment. Um, and I don't know who's going to finish in those final playoff positions at the moment. I just can't tell. So Grinsby are in that last playoff spot. Just above them are Notts County. who have been a bit indifferent over the last few weeks, although they have won three of their last four now. They won 3-0 away at Southend. And what a day it was for Ruben Rodriguez. He got a hat-trick. Yeah, he did. Travelling home with a match ball from uh, uh, Essex, Ruben Rodriguez, with um, all three for Notts County. And that, that's a fine result for them. I mean, Southend were entertaining Perhaps hopes of making a late dash for the playoffs at one point. They've they've dropped off a a little bit in the last few weeks. They've not been able to maintain that momentum. So you would say that that's probably a dream that's faded for them now. Um, But, you know, they're still a a, a very capable side. I think Southend also missed a penalty. I think Callum Powell had a penalty saved um, in that game. So, you know, they had their opportunity there and, and perhaps missed it a bit, but Rodriguez has, has taken his opportunity, certainly. And um, I think it's vitally important for... I, I don't like to talk about managers being under pressure, but I think it's vitally important for Ian Birchnell that Notts County is a minimum or a playoff side. Um, because I think if, if Notts County, given the size of the club they are and the ambitions that they have, don't make the playoffs, you'd have to be a little bit worried that you know the ownership might be sort of like reviewing things. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's that sense of they're just probably too big a club not to be in the playoffs. Yeah, outside of the playoffs at the minute, but they do have two or three games in hand on the teams above them. Ah, Boreham Wood, as we mentioned, lost at home to Woking. 
And Bournemouth, they, they'd gone away and they had a trip to Dubai during this week just to kind of maybe, well, as, as a reward for the FA Cup run that they had and maybe to also a good, good little break to get away from their recent form. However, it didn't do them any good. As I said, first home defeat for them against Woking. But what a start for Darren Saal. Yeah, tremendous um, uh, for him. You know, I think there have been people... I think there have been a lot of mixed views over, over Darren Sol leaving Yeovil Town. I think there were some fans that maybe felt um, he'd done as much of them as he could or maybe it was time for a change there. Um, I think there were some Yeovil fans that were looking at, at Woking and thinking, why on earth would you go for Darren Sol? But, you know, as a as a first step yesterday, you know, getting a, a 1-0 win is a fine result. And, you know, I, I think possibly, I think when we, we've said where Woking have struggled a little bit in there, they've stepped up to being a full-time side. Um, well, maybe that was something that Alan Dowson had a little bit of a, a problem with that transition from being semi-professional to fully professional. Darren Sowell has been manager of a fully professional team at Yeovil Town. So maybe that will, um, uh, you know, his experience can help them in that respect. Yeah, Darren Sal's old side drew 2-2 away at Barnet. A good point for them. It was a very topsy-turvy day, very toxic, topsy-turvy game down at the Hive. They took the lead Yeovil through Tom Knowles before Efron Mason-Clark equalised on 23 minutes. Adam Marriott had given Barnet the lead 20 minutes from time, but eight minutes from the end, Ruben Reed got on a score sheet to make it 2-2 there. Down at the bottom, a bit of a missed opportunity for Kings Lynn, potentially. As I said, they've been on a, an okay run. They'll have had Aldershot in their sights. If they could have got a win at Dover, they would have moved to within four points of Aldershot. But in the end, they needed a second-half equaliser to get them a point in the end. And that's a massive missed opportunity for Kings Lynn, isn't it? Yeah, it does feel that way. I mean, Dover fielded, um, I'm, I'm led to believe that there were six members of Dover's under-18 side in their matchday squad yesterday. Um, obviously, the, the, the pressure's off for them now. The, their relegation has been confirmed. So, you know, whether that's Andy Hasenthal, you know, taking a look at those um, younger players. Um, but yeah, given that Dover had only won one game all season and given Kings Lynn's situation... That really is a game that Kings Lynn, you, they, they'll be hugely disappointed that they didn't claim maximum reward for that. You know, that they trailed to a goal from Kobe Arthur. Josh Barrett equalised for them in the second half. But yeah, that's got missed opportunity written all over it. Yeah, they couldn't take advantage, Kings Lynn. All the shot lost at home again to Eastling. What was a controversial game? Brennan Camp had opened the scoring for Eastling, but that's after... Aldershot goalkeeper Ethan Ross had been knocked out and was injured. There was a 23-minute delay while Ross was treated by paramedics. Tyrone Barnett doubled the visitors' advantage in the ninth minute of that 23 minutes of first-half stoppage time, in which, in the meantime, Mitch Walker had come on as substitute goalkeeper, and then he went off injured, and Mo Bettimer ended up in the gloves, uh, taking the gloves in the end, but easily held on comfortably, and it was uh, fair to say... Mark Moles has got a bit of a headache now, hasn't he? A bit of a head scratch now because he's, he's got two goalkeepers out potentially injured. He might have to dip into the emergency loan market and it's yet another defeat for them. Yeah, it is. I think it's um, eight games without a win now for uh, Mark Molesley's team, which is obviously uh, a concern given their league position. You know, the, um, it, it, I suppose the only thing, the only plus point from them yesterday is that the teams below them didn't really make you know big moves towards them. But it just sounded like a day where absolutely everything went wrong. I mean, clearly, the the, the health of Ethan Ross is, is the main concern there. And Mark Molesley, you know, did have some update from that um, at the end of the, uh, when, when spoken to after the game. You know, he said that Ethan Ross was able to sort of feel his extremities, fingers and toes and everything that. He was taken off on a spinal ward. And I think that was what the concern was, that there might have been a, a, a spinal fracture in the, in the way that he fell. Um, but yeah. Just absolutely nothing went right for them, but a positive result for Eastleigh, which they've been crying out for as well. Um, you know, I don't think Eastleigh season that they're not going to go down, but they're not in, you know, they're not it, troubling the, the playoffs in any stretch of the imagination. So they're essentially kind of looking and um, uh, thinking about next season already, I would have suggested. But Aldershot aren't that far ahead of the relegation places that they can start thinking about next season just yet. 
Yeah, I know Rob is very worried on, on all the shots prospects. But as I say, with Kingsland dropping points, he'll be able to breathe a little bit easier, it's fair to say. Prior to that Aldershot Eastley game, Rob did catch up with the new Eastley manager, Lee Bradby, for his thoughts on Eastley in general and looking ahead to the forthcoming season next season. Um, Lee Bradbury's very kindly spared me a few minutes here at the EBB Stadium prior to Aldershot against Eastleigh, your first um, Eastleigh Aldershot Hampshire derby, but you're not new to Aldershot Hampshire derbies, are you? No, exactly, yeah, I've done a few of them over the time, but um, always good, good club, Aldershot. It's me and Tom Broadbent actually just talking there about playing here for, in our army days, etc. And, uh, you know, it's got a lot of history here and, uh, you know, it's... Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that the uh, the team manager stay in the league and uh, the club manager stay in the league uh, this season. Um, but obviously, we need to get our three points a day and uh, hopefully uh, Oldershot can kick on after that. Yeah, it's a bit of a bizarre one in the way it's set up, really, because obviously you've come in and, and got a win and then and then failed to win in four. Um, so it's not the ideal start that you would have wanted. Uh, you are just one place ahead of Oldershot, but there's quite a big points gap and... And, and neither club, of course, mathematically safe, but uh, it, would it be fair to say that you're, you, you could potentially attack the game with a little bit more freedom today? I don't know if that's going to be part of your game plan or not. Yeah, I think so. we six points ahead of yeah. yourselves at the moment and, uh, you know, nine games to go. But, um, you know, it's the, it's the three teams beneath that uh, yourselves and ourselves want to put away from and need that win just to give you a little bit more of a comfortable running. Um, you know, and the sooner we can get them points, the better. Um, but yeah, I don't think we'll be as nervous as the older shot players team today. Um, but then they're at home, and you know they've got the crowd behind them, so they'll have that advantage. And uh, you know, we I know Mark Mosley very well, managed him, played with him. Um, he'll be meticulous in in his work and and how he lo- he looks at to try and uh, get get us and our, and our weaknesses. And but then we've been doing the same, so it's it's all part of the game. And um, I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully we have a good crowd here today in a in a big um, a big derby. You've had a fair bit of management experience now. Uh, I always think it's a bit of lazy journalism. People talk about managers coming in and new manager bounces. There's different ways you can approach it, Lee, isn't there? I mean, if if something's running really well, you can come in, not change too much, and try and keep it ticking over. Yeah, I mean, it can be. I mean, um, and the club has been nowhere near good enough this season, in my opinion. To you know, but where we are, where we are, the, the league table doesn't lie, and I've been part of that in the last five games. And uh, yeah, we are trying to ch- make changes, but. You know, we might have to wait for the summer to do that. Um, but ultimately, we just need to concrete our place in, in the National League and then we'll revisit it then. And for the players that want to come along with um, for the ride with myself, then great. And if they don't, then they move on. But um, listen, personal pride, uh, professionalism, it's never a quick fix, as you know. And final question, the National League as a whole, obviously you'll have kept abreast of it throughout. You've been away for a few years, come back now, seen a few games. Is it stronger than it's ever been right now? Um, yeah, I think it probably is. I think, well, all the, the leagues are stepping up. You know, I think it's uh, it's probably the biggest jump as far as Conference South into the National League. Um, you're going from part-time football into full-time football, playing against clubs like like your Chesterfields, like your Wrexhams and you know, some Stockports and massive clubs with big budgets. And there's a lot of money around this level now. And, um, you know... Uh, you know, we are two clubs that aren't in the same bracket as them. But you know, why can't we compete? So we need to be make sure that we do extra to work hard behind the scenes to make sure we we get the best out of what we got. Because largely the, the the sides with the bigger budgets are, are around the top end. But you get the odd case, don't you, of the Bromleys and the Halifaxes, which fly in the face of that. And of course, in recent years, Sutton have gone up with not the biggest budget. Macclesfield before that. Exactly that. You know, and that's what I think. All the clubs that haven't got the bigger budgets, you know, outside the top five budgets, you know, you, you're looking at uh, to scramble to get in for one of those two teams that does surprise people um, each season. And uh, I think that's, um, that's that's pretty fair assessment. And then you've got like a middle league of teams that are, are sort of always around the middle table. And then you've got a bottom bottom league table of about six or seven that are trying to stay away from it. And unfortunately, ourselves and yourselves are, are in that situation at the moment. Well, good luck for the rest of the season and hopefully we will we'll see you next year. Do you mean that for today as well? <laughs> so we put a little teaser out on Twitter, but Rob caught up with former Lionesses international Karen Carney because the National Lottery and the National League have teamed up to champion a grassroots football. They're getting a lot of famous footballers and celebrities involved and are visiting National League clubs and grassroots cl- clubs to launch initiatives there. And Karen Carney went back to her local club, Solihull Moors, to talk about 
where it all began and the love for Sawhill Moors came about. Right, as many of you may know, listeners, the National Lottery's given away free tickets to go and watch selected local football matches in April, um, back in the height of COVID-19 pandemic. Um, it was the National Lottery that helped to keep National League and grass football, grassroots football going for a little while with emergency financial support. Um, and uh, in order to thank the National Lottery players, um, over 100,000 tickets are now being made available on a buy one, get one free basis. A lot of National League games are involved in that initiative. Um, and if you've bought a National Lottery ticket, you can take advantage of this offer. All you've got to do is search for your nearest National Lottery football weekend fixture. Now, somebody who's attending one of those fixtures, who's going back to her roots, if you like, um, is uh, former uh, England uh, footballer, Karen Carney, and uh, we're very pleased to be joined on the line by Karen now. All right, Karen? Oh, yeah, you okay? Yeah, really good, thanks. So you're heading back to Solihull, where it all started for you for the game against Maidenhead at the weekend. I'm actually here today, um, ahead of it, really. Mm. Um, so it's nice to be back in the, in the stadium and looking around. Obviously, it's empty at the moment because the game's on Saturday, but, um, yeah, it's just nice to come back. It's changed a lot. I mean, I was here when I opened the stand, I think, two years ago, the new stand, and even since then, it's, it's changed and improved significantly, so... Um, yeah, it's nice to be back home, as they would say. Yeah, and they're they're flying, aren't they? They've been knocking at the right end of the National League table for the last two or three years, and Neil Ardley seems to have them on track for a playoff place. Yeah, I mean, I think they're 12 games unbeaten now, I think, off the top of my memory. Um, mm. you, you know better than me, it's, it's such a difficult league to, to try and get out of. It's so competitive. I think even from a Moors perspective, I think... As you said, they're in the, the playoff position, but I think they're the only team in that playoff. Kind of uh, anyone above them have all played in, in, in the league, so it's, it's been difficult um, one to get out of. But they're in the mix, they're in the hunt, they're playing well, they're getting good results. Mm. So um, you're right, the manager's got them going in the right direction as well. So you never know, this could be their year. And I think a lot of people, Karen, know that obviously you played a lot of times for England, a lot of a lot of years at Birmingham. But where did it all, you know, as a girl, where did it all start out for you? What, what was your first football club? My, well, my first, I'd say my first football club would have been more green. Mm. Um, but that kind of, I think it burnt down and then there was the amalgamation of the more... Um, and it came into Solihull Borough and the Moors, and it, now we have Solihull Moors, and, and this is where we are today. But they were probably my first team that I went and watched non-league-wise. It was only literally a seven-minute walk from my house with my daddy to take me down there, a bag of chips, and we'd walk down and, you know, watch the football. I'd play in the background as well after the game, and he was in the bar with his mates. So mm. that was it, really. I bonded with my dad there and football and fell in love with it. And also I'm a Mad Bone City fan, so... Pretty much all my experiences are from, you know, grassroots, being local, supporting my local teams and my local community, really. And, mm. and that's how I fell in love with it. I never thought I'd play it. I just was obsessed with watching it and, and kind of then kicking the ball around. And my family are massive football fans, so it's been a very long time. And, um, yeah, it's probably down to them what I played. But, you know, starting football, it wasn't easy being, like, the only girl. Um, but thankfully that... There was, we did find opportunities within the community to try and be playing and then I went to Birmingham as a, as a young girl and then the rest is history. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, I mean, even just across the last five seasons or so, with Solihull Moors being in, in the National League, the Premier Division, the, the development of that club is so evident to see, isn't it? And the progression... And, and I know a lot, they've had to do a lot with the seating and the stands and everything else. But one thing it wasn't short of, as I remember from that first Aldershot Town sort of tour of duty where Aldershot bought 750-odd fans there, um, was was the fact that it wasn't lacking bars, was it? A couple of cracking bars there behind the scenes. They were able to give one of them to the away fans. <laughs> I've been coming here for a very, very young age, and, and even though it's been significantly developed, you could always, you could always get find your way around and get what you wanted. So no, it's it's great, and that's that's a great thing about you know this football club and you know non-league football clubs is there's a there's a heart and there's a feel to it, and there's an association sometimes that you can't get elsewhere. And you know I've known people behind the bar, people in the talk shop, 
you know, people, the security guards, and then I go to Premier League matches, and there's some of them there as well, and they banter with me over it. So you, you, you always, it's about people, and I, I think that's the real big thing actually here, and that's what I really enjoy, and I think that's what non-league football gives you. It's it's hard to describe, isn't it? You know yourself it, but once you're attached and you're hooked, um, there's no getting out of it. <laughs> Why this sounds really, really wrong at the time, but I never understood why people volunteered. I didn't understand it, and I actually then was a volunteer at Solihull Moors, um, and I went to home and away games uh, for like two or three years, even while I was playing in the WSL because I was so hooked, and mm. it made me realise why people volunteer. Because you're right, once you get sucked in, and, mm. and you have an association with everyone in the football club you never ever want to leave and, and that never kind of leaves you either yeah it's almost like a second family in it and just feeling part of something Karen thanks so much for joining us and uh, keep up the good work fantastic media career now um, and uh, thanks for joining us no thank you very much and good luck yeah and that was Karen Carney talking to Rob we're going to move on now and look at the National League North If you see somebody showing any of the signs of a stroke, you don't have to think about it. You just dial 999. Use the FAST test. F. Face. Has their face fallen on one side? Can they smile? A. Arms. Can they raise both arms and keep them there? S. Speech. Is their speech slurred? T. Time. Time to call 999 if you see any one of these signs. Act fast. Make the call. Dial 999. And Dickie, in the National League North, well, both in the National League North and the South, it's fair to say it was almost like a moving day over the weekend. There was lots of action at the top and bottom, which may well have consequences for a lot of teams, really. Most notably at the top, Brackley against Gateshead was the big game, wasn't it? And it was Brackley came out on top. Yeah, they did. This was potentially one of the matchups of the season um, between Brackley and Gateshead uh, at St. James Park. Um, and so it's, it's really the only place you can begin to talk about the North yesterday, second against first. Um, Brackley with three points behind uh, Gateshead going into this game, but with a game in hand. Well, they've now drawn level with the game in hand, although their, their goal difference is inferior, which keeps Gateshead on top. Um, Brackley play their game in hand on Tuesday as well away at Curzon Ashton. So, um, I think there's going to still going to be more twists and turns in this one yet. But uh, yeah, it was the league's best defence against the league's best attack, the irresistible force meeting the immovable object, if you would. And uh, yeah, it was the immovable object that won. It was James Armson's 80th minute penalty kick that separated the two teams. A crowd of almost 1,600 present, including 213 from Gateshead making the journey. Um, Macaulay Langstaff did hit the post for Gateshead with three minutes remaining, so they could have almost snatched a point from it. But uh, yeah, it's practically ultimately the come out on top. And somebody showed me a form table for the last 10 games. And aside from the number of points collected, I think the thing that really stood out for me there, Brackley have conceded just two goals in their last 10 matches. Um, We've spoken all season about their defensive capabilities and to shut down um, an attack as good as Gateshead's yesterday. And, uh, and as ever with Brackley, it sometimes seems that just one goal is enough. Um, yeah, one goal was enough and they got the job done. Yeah, that's it. It's massive, isn't it, for Brackley, as you say. I think they've got a game in hand. As I say, they play Curzon Ashton on Tuesday. I've had a look at both sides' um, run-ins. They've both got, um, they'll have both have seven games to go after Brackley play at Curzon on Tuesday. Um, you know, there's a real mix of, you know, fixtures in there for them. I, I'm not, I'm, I don't think it's absolutely clear cut that they will both just continue to pick up three points per game. You know, Brackley have got York City to come to them and Boston have got to go there as well. Uh, Gateshead have got, you know, a game against Darlington. So a Northeast Derby there. They've also got a way to Chorley. So it, it's not absolutely certain just because Brackley, and if Brackley do win on Tuesday, I don't think that's, you know, the title over. There's still seven games to go. And I still think there might be something that happens in those seven games that will keep us really watching this race almost to the last game of the season, I think. Yeah, 11 points behind Brackley and Gateshead in third. Uh, AFC filed and 
They'll be looking to keep their home advantage secure in the playoffs. They won three one against struggling Farsley. Yeah, they did. Um, uh, a decent result for AFC Fylde. Obviously, they they lost at Gloucester last week. A bit of a shock result. Um, they led in this game through uh, an own goal from Lewis Butroid from uh, Farsley. But Frank Mulhern did level just before the stroke of half-time for Farsley. Give them hope, but Nick Horton extinguished that with two goals in the second half. One in the 66th minute and then a penalty kick in injury time to seal it for them. Farsley remained two points above Geisley at the foot of the table and they host Geisley on Tuesday evening in an absolutely huge game at the foot of the table. Yeah, we'll talk about that now because Geisley travelled to Charlie and lost by two goals to nil. The first win for Charlie in four games, but another game gone for Geisley and they're rock bottom, aren't they? They are um, Geisley. I think they've, uh, they're equally, they've got more games left in this division. Um, uh, I think there's, they've got nine matches still to play and I think there's maybe two or three other teams have still got nine games to play. Geisley, that yesterday was the start of a run of four uh, away games in some Thing like 12 days so they've got um, a, a lot of uh, away games to play which will account for a lot of their games in hand um, and they didn't get off to a great start with it yesterday uh, Charlie's form hasn't been great but Adam Blakeman scored in the first half and Will Tomlinson in the second half to give them all the points Chorley stay in fifth and I say it's all eyes on that game with um, with Farsley on Tuesday night um, for, for Geisley you feel that they have to get something from that game um, and even maybe a point maybe isn't uh, enough um, to, to, to keep their heads above water but you know they've got to keep going they might dig out a result from somewhere I don't think anything's it's so close at the bottom I don't think anything's set in stone. Yeah neither is Southport's playoff place they lost for a third time in five games against Ketterin and are now only three points behind Liam Watson's side and it's fair to say the Sheriff was in town and took the goods didn't he? Yes, he was uh, just a, a, a single shot from the sheriff or Dicari sheriff um, from the penalty spot in the uh, 60th minute of the game. Um, won this one for Kettering. Southport's form has deserted them recently. They're winless in six. They've just picked up three draws in that spell. Um, Josh Marmy's foul on Alex Brown gave Sheriff the opportunity yesterday. Um, Kettering are in 11th place, but as you say, they're not that far behind they've now had back-to-back wins after they're having no win in their previous five matches so that's stutter um if they hadn't had that Kettering could conceivably be in the playoff places by now um but as I say they're only three points adrift I if you're Southport given where they were earlier in the season the fact that they were bottom and then they've you know shot through into a playoff place um you would say, well, you know, if they were to drop out of the playoff places, given where they were, they've still done fantastically well. But, you know, when when you've had something and you let it go, you miss it, don't you? And I think I think Southport now um, would be uh, a little bit nervous about their, their position, given that there are teams not far behind them. Yeah, and that includes Darlington. And I know a few weeks ago, Darlington fans were worried because they lost Will Hatfield, they've lost Luke Sharman this season. But they got a very hard-earned 1-0 win away at Leamington thanks to Junior Mondal. And they are now level on points with Southport, unbeaten in the last three. Yeah, they are. They've, they've crept up to eighth in the table. I mean, um, there's there's no win achieved at Leamington that isn't hard for as a minimum. Um, Paul Holland's team make you work for what you get down there. Um, they're not often beaten on home turf. Um but yeah, Darlington's run at the moment is sensational. Three wins in a row, six wins in their last eight games and just one defeat in there. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, Darlington, where hopes of being in the playoffs might have looked a bit fanciful, that they're actually genuinely realistic now. But uh, as I say, Boston United are just behind them as well and, and they'll they'll want to have a say as well, I'm sure. Yeah, Boston Hereford right behind Darlington. They were above them at the start of the weekend, but both had disappointing home results, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And it took a 90th minute equaliser for Boston to get a point against Blythe Spartans yesterday. I mean, given that Blythe are at the bottom, uh, 20th position, fighting for their lives, then, you know, you wouldn't have expected anything other than a hard game. Uh, it was Lewis McNall put Spartans' head in the 41st minute, but Scott Duxbury headed home from a Shane Byrne corner in injury time to deny them. Um 
the Pilgrims really needed a win to go back into the playoff places and could it get couldn't get it. The same with Hereford, a missed opportunity for them. Um, they lost 2-1 at home to Alfred and Town goals in the first half from Bailey Hobson and Yusuf Cisse. Ryan Lloyd gave them some hope with a goal in the 80th minute, but the Bulls stay in 10th. Um, a decent little win for Alfreton bumps them up to 14th. Yeah, so below that, uh, Bennymore, who were only three points now in the playoff conversation, they won 3-0 away at Curzon Ashton uh, to pull four points away from Curzon. Anthony Johnson called it a 10 out of 10 performance, so it must have been pretty good. Yeah, I don't imagine he's a man who gives out those kind of marks uh, easily. I mean, uh, Moores had been on a great run and then went on a run of four games without a win before this victory yesterday. So yet again, they're another side who could be a lot closer to the playoff picture if they'd not had a stutter lately. Glenn Taylor scored for them the eighth minute yesterday, added a second in the 68th minute and Ethan Riley on loan from Rochdale. I did the third in injury time. Um, things not going great for Curzon Ashton at the moment. Um, they're winless in five, four straight defeats. And they've scored just once while conceding 14. Yeah, down at the bottom, it's uh, it's hot up Bradford. I think we they're on 38 points. We can say they're safe along with Chester. They got a good nil-nil draw against Kidderminster. Gloucester, who looked like they were pulling safe, ran into Telford, didn't they? Who, who Telford, well, well, we'll get to explain what happened in a minute, but Telford won the game and has now moved them three points behind Gloucester, six points clear of that bottom spot. Yeah, they have. I mean, this was a um, a really important game for Telford yesterday. Given Gloucester's recent form, it wasn't easy as well. I think Gloucester had only lost once in their previous nine. And the fact that they had a six-point lead over Telford going into the game is a measure of the results that they've been picking up under Lee Mansell. They've been on a really, really good run. And I have to give them huge credit for yesterday. They came and they were very positive. They didn't look like a team that were 18th in the league. Um, just one position above Telford. Harry Flowers on his own debut for Telford. Yeah, he scored in the 19th minute. A club that was managed by his late grandfather, Ron, some 50 years ago. So uh, a really big moment for him. City did level in the 63rd minute, deservedly through Tom Harrison. They put Telford under a lot of pressure and there was a lot of desperate defending by Telford. A lot of bodies being thrown in the way of shots, uh, penalty appeals. And... To be honest, it looked as if Telford might miss their opportunity. But in the 86th minute, Ryan Burke on loan from Mansfield Town struck a left footer low from the edge of the penalty area, uh, past uh, Harry Wiles Richards in the Gloucester goal to spark pandemonium, basically. Telford's still got a lot of work to do, but hugely important win for them. Yeah, I know we're not talking much about Gloucester this season. So briefly, Dickie, what did you make of him? thought they looked a much better side than they'd been when I saw them earlier in the season. Um, Telford drew their 2-2. My, my instinct was that uh, Gloucester's recruitment over the summer hadn't been fantastic. They had a lot of lone players. They had quite a lot of young players in there. And as many teams have learned to their cost, this isn't a, a game or this isn't a league to be pitching in 18, 19-year-olds in large numbers, expecting them Um to be able to perform, to be perfectly honest. Um, they looked a much better side yesterday. I thought their midfield duo, uh, Kevin Dawson and Tommy O'Sullivan, were ran the show for them, to be perfectly honest. And, and I don't know, Telford weren't exactly hanging on, um, but that they, they really did put Telford under pressure. They may feel that as a minimum, a point might have been, uh, you know, fair result for, for what their efforts yesterday. But, uh, yeah, Telford's resilience, I suppose, in the end, uh, and, and a great finish from Burke, um, but uh, sealed the win for them. Well, well, coming up next, it is the National League South. Taking antibiotics when you don't need them puts you and your family at risk of a longer and more severe illness. Always take your doctor's advice. Search NHS Antibiotics. So it's time to look at the National League South, and I'm pleased to say that we've been joined by a semi-regular contributor to the podcast. It is Joe Pope from the Off The Line blog. Hello, Joe. Oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you for joining us. And we mentioned about it being a moving day in the North. It was a very moving day in the South as well, because Dorking got back to winning ways in what was a, a spectacular win. Five different goal scorers for them. 
Uh, fantastic day for them, but they remain four points behind Maidstone still because Maidstone won by four goals to nil at home to Haven't Haven't who are having a a very funny season. We'll get onto that in a minute, Joe. But it was fair to say Jack Barham was the man in the moment again for Hacken Hayre inside. Yeah, I mean, uh, what a what a talent. Um, obviously, he's been uh, influential. Uh, he's obviously yeah, Twan Loke scored another goal, so uh, Barham got three to sort of keep pace in the the scoring charts for them. Um, it's funny we actually had um, Hakan Hayretin um, on our website. Um, we had an interview with him about just over a year ago, and he did say at that time he said if he was given time to build his team, he would win the National League South. Um, so uh, it looks like uh, he's on course to do that. Um, obviously, a good win for them. Um, obviously, as we say, we're going to come on to Haven't and Waterlooville. It it seems a bit of an odd season again for them. Um, but uh, yeah, fantastic win for Maidstone. Obviously, they need to keep winning just to make sure that they keep ahead of Dorkin, who will, uh, especially at this point of the season, especially with Pryor back on the score sheet yesterday, um, they'll no doubt uh, take some stopping now. Yeah, five different scores as well for Dorking, which Dickie knows I, I love. I just think it's a real team effort when you have five different scorers in a 5-0 win. But as you say, maybe ominous for the teams above that Alfie Rutherford and Jason Pryor are back on the score sheet. Yeah, I think uh, as a, a strike force, uh, I don't think you're going to get much better than that at this, uh, at this level. Um, whether or not that they're going to have enough to overtake Maidstone's four-point lead, I'm not sure, um, especially for, obviously, Hayretton. He's got promoted from non-league before, um, so he's used to getting promoted in in, in non-league. Um, but certainly in terms of the playoffs, um, having those two back uh, fit and firing um, is a good sign for Dorking. Uh, and as we saw yesterday, you know, Slough have been fairly good this season. Um, and the fact that they scored five, five different scores as well, just shows their strength and depth. Um, yeah, they're going to, you wouldn't, you certainly wouldn't want to play Dorking in the playoffs. No, absolutely not. One team will be looking to get in the playoffs, as we mentioned, but aren't having a great run. Although that defeat to Maidstone ended a little mini run for having it in Waterlooville. And they are just three points off that final playoff spot. But Joe, what do you make of them? I know they beat Torquay earlier in the season in the FA Cup, but they have flattered to deceive. And then just when you think they're maybe getting it together, they go and lose again and lose heavily. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, last time I was on the podcast, I said it was the curse of beating Torquay because having Anton Bridge Angels both beat Torquay uh, in cup competitions this year and then have gone on to not really do much since. But uh, yeah, I mean, haven't going into the season, especially with Doswell and the, obviously they recruited well again in the summer, you still expected them to be there or thereabouts, but they just can't seem to, you know, put that run together. As you said, only three points off the playoffs. And you think, well, you know, that's not too difficult uh, a gap to make up at this point, but they just can't seem to, uh, you know, get that run of results together, which they need to get in, especially yesterday, obviously their defensive problems, um, highlighted, uh, you know, 4-0 defeat. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as we get to the business end, you would assume that Haven't will probably get over the line. If, you you know, if I was hard pushed to pick a team that will probably get in, I would go for Haven't only because of their experience. But, uh, yeah, they'll be looking to uh, to bounce back from that uh, defeat yesterday. Oh, although they are playing a made sense side who uh, I fully expect to win the league. Yeah, Dartford... Bit of a missed opportunity for them. They're now seven, point, seven points behind Darkin. And they went away to Oxford City, who've had a bit of a, a sticky patch recently. It was a 1-1 draw there, Dickie. And a man in form for Dartford is Marcus Denangri scored again. Yeah, um, a penalty kick in the third minute uh, yesterday for Dartford. Had them uh, in the lead, but they were uh, pegged back before half-time. Um, I'm going to leave the pronunciation to one of you two because I never get this one right. Joe Iacofano. <laughs> yes, that's the one. That's the one. Yes. Yeah, he levelled in the 23rd minute. Um, and I don't know, I suppose, given the respective positions of the two sides, then, you know, maybe a draw uh, is a result that you might have expected there. But but given that that gap's opened up to, to seven points now, I, I, I it, you look at the top two, and and you feel a seven-point gap now is perhaps too much for um, any other team to overturn. So it looks potentially like it's made sense to lose. They don't have to play Dorking again this season. 
But as ever, with a, with a playoff uh, coming up at the end of the season, you just need to finish as high as possible to give yourself that home advantage. I don't want to feel the wrath of Steve King, Joe, but would you go along with that? Would you say Dartford are now out the title race? Yeah, I mean, obviously, especially with the position that Maidstone are in, I expect them to at least finish in the top two. And out of the two of them, um, I would say that Dawkins are, are far better, uh, certainly attacking-wise, to uh, to pull up, you know, short. Um, you know, some of the the teams that they'll play uh, between now and the end of the season, you would assume that Dawkins would have more than enough to uh, get the better of Dartford. I know Dartford um, had Connor Essam uh, ruled out until the end of the season, I saw, with an ankle injury. Um, so, obviously, the fact that they've lost him as well, and the fact that Dawkins have just got back Jason Pryor, you know, two players there, which one's lost and one's gained, you would assume that Dawkins are home and drier. I think it's interesting the fact that we've now got, you know, the National League South and North, that it looks like two teams at the top of both leagues will run away with it. Um, and it will be between those two as to who wins the, the, wins the division. Yeah, another disappointing result for Ebbsfleet in an entertaining game down in Ken, they lost 2-1 at home to Hungerford. It was a red card apiece for either side, but one man who's on absolute fire again. I think that's his 24th goal of the season he got on Saturday. Or 23rd and 24th goals, because he got a double. It was Ryan Seeger to see off Ebbsfleet in the end. And they're in the last playoff spot. And I mean, it's a remarkable season for them. And sometimes you can be a smaller team, but if you've got somebody who's banging in the goals, then it gets you a lot of success. And that's what it's proving. Yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, since Robinson's come into the team, uh, into this, uh, into the club, we've seen that uh, they continually punch above their weight. And when they're able to keep it fairly close, obviously, at the back with Kearney, um, who's again had another good season, when you're able to keep it fairly close and you've got a striker like Seager, um, who's obviously scoring as much as he is, um, you're, you're always going to have a chance, um, especially in the in the National League South, you know, at that level. Um, yeah, it looks like they... Uh, It'd be one or two teams that probably in there with them for that, you know, sort of last couple of spots in the in the playoffs. Um, but certainly if Seager can keep scoring like he did yesterday, you you would probably assume they'll have enough to to get in, having learned from last season. What do you make of Ebsleet, Joe? That that squad they've got. I mean, should they be almost walking away with the league? Should they be all be at least challenging Maidstone? Yeah, I mean, when we come into the season, I, I had them, you know, top top three or four. I didn't have them to win the league because I thought they were still a little bit too inconsistent. And I think that is the thing that we've seen this season. Obviously, Denis Kutriev is still, I think, trying to adapt to English football. Um, obviously, he's been here, what, you know, two seasons or so now, um, you know, with the, the quality that they've got, um, certainly experience. You know, you see yesterday, Martin, um, experienced EFL player going off. Um, certainly attacking football-wise, absolutely, uh, you know, very, very good. Um, and certainly on their day, they've got enough to beat most teams. But I think when you, you know, you need the fine margins to actually, you know, go and win a division or at least finish in the top two, I don't think Ebsfleet are strong enough defensively uh, to do that. Um, so I actually don't think they're too below where they should be. Um, I think there's certainly the likes of Maidstone and Dorkin and Dartford, certainly, I would have had above them. Um, at this stage, um, I think they've got better squads and pr- certainly better managers. Um, you know, you look at White and, and Hay Retton and King, uh, you know, all, all experienced non-league managers that have been there and done it before at this level. Whereas Kutreb, I think, is still trying to find his feet a little bit. East Bomborough are an, an absolute flyer as well. We've got to take our hats off to them. They're breathing down Dartford's neck for that third spot and ultimately a home tie in the playoffs. And Dickie, it was a pair of Charlies on the score sheet, wasn't it, on Saturday? Charlie Walker and Charlie Kendall. Yeah, if you want to call them that, yes, by all means, no. Uh, that's what they were christened, absolutely. So we should use those. Now, I mean, we, we know all about uh, Charlie Kendall and, and his goal scoring this season and uh, yeah a, a, a great great performance from them yesterday 2-0 two, two win over Concord Joe would I, I suppose a lot of teams wouldn't fancy going there in the playoffs would they? No especially you know as you said the the, the form of Kendall um, certainly if they can keep it 
tight at the back, um, which they've been able to do a little bit more recently. Um, if you're able to have players like Kendall and, and Walker and the likes of Welpdale, etc., that they're able to uh, to go and probably beat most sides um, in the division on their day. Um, I'm not sure. I think Eastbourne are sort of that team that probably won't be the one or two that you would expect to win it. But certainly, as you say, the sort of team that you wouldn't want to face because on their day they do have the quality uh, to beat most teams. So uh, yeah, I think I think I don't think there's any pressure on them really. Um, so I think they'll they'll relish at uh, the end of the season. And, you know, if they get into the playoffs, which I expect they will at this stage, I think they'll be quietly confident that they can perhaps uh, cause an upset or two. Yeah, Dulwich Hamlet, they slipped out of the playoff places. They could only draw once again. They drew nil-nil away at ten man Bath and. They'll be really frustrated, won't they, uh, Dulwich, that they didn't get the win because Bath were down to 10 men after just 15 minutes when Jack Batten was given his marching orders. So they had well over an hour, didn't they, to try and get that goal and they couldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, obviously at the start of the season, we obviously saw them start really well. But recently, we have seen that little bit of inconsistency in their game. Um, Obviously, it's a very, very good point for Bath being down to 10 men for, you know, for 75 minutes. Um, and certainly with Dulwich, one of those teams that would perhaps be looking to get that last spot in the playoffs, you know, pushing towards the, the top six or seven. Um, they'll see that as a, a disappointing result, not being able to come away uh, with, with a result there. It's hotting up at the bottom of the National League South well in, they lost 1-0 at Tombridge. Tommy Wood scoring his 12th goal of the season. I think that'll more or less put Tombridge safe now. They're six points clear. Bill Ricky lost 1-0 at home to Chippenham. So their recent good run has come to an end. And Chelmsford, they got a vital draw. 2-2 away at Hemel Hempstead. So very tight down at the bottom, Joe. Are we saying Tombridge are nearly safe now? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Um, I don't think I don't think really they were they were one of those teams that I would be looking at as uh, as going down. I think uh, I think they probably have a bit too much. Obviously, they do have the odd game in hand as well. Um, I think it will be down to Welling uh, and Billericay, um as the two um, that I think will probably be uh, finishing that bottom spot. Um, and obviously, uh, a good win for Tombridge yesterday. Obviously, that puts them. Six points ahead of Welling, and that'll be a big result for them. Um, as if obviously Welling had, had won that game, then they'd be level on points. I think uh, obviously Tom Bridge should be very happy in that, um, and I think it will be down to those bottom two. Interesting, he didn't put Chelmsford in that conversation. They're not on a, an amazing run at the minute. They were 2 0 up as well at Hemel Hempstead through Charlie Sheringham and Matt Rush, but it was uh, two goals late on from Charlie Hughes. And Pierre Foncou, who got the equaliser there. So two points dropped for Chelmsford. And yeah, I, I'm surprised, Joe, that you've not mentioned him in that conversation. So you think it's between Bill and Ricky and Welling then? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, their recent run for Chelmsford had not been as great. Um, obviously, the point I'm about to make seems a bit false, given that they they conceded twice yesterday to draw. But I think defensively, Chelmsford are a little bit better. I mean, you look at the goals, you know, their record this season. Um, they've only conceded 44. I mean, that's 13 best better than Billericay uh, and 25 better than Welling. Um, and certainly, you saw yesterday Sheringham on the score sheet for Chelmsford. Um, I think out of those bottom three teams, um, Sheringham, you know, he can get, a good goal return between now and the end of the season. Simeon Jackson, um, he's obviously scored uh, a fair few goals as well. Um, so I think they'll be, um, I think it'll be close, but I think they'll be fine. Perhaps deeper Akinyemi as well for, for Welling. Yeah, and uh, Bath, of course, I think maybe we think they're safe, even though, as Dickie's just pointed out, they had to literally batten down the hatches <laughs> on Saturday. I'm going to give Dickie credit for that one. And also, Dickie, there's a massive game on Eastern Monday at the bottom, isn't there? Yeah, Chelmsford host Billy Ricky on on Easter Monday. I was just having a look through and seeing if uh, any of those teams in the in the picture there face one another. Um, that's the one that's kind of jumped out at me. You would think if Chelmsford, you know, can take maximum points from that one, then that might be enough for them. But you know, Billy Ricky, that 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 little revival that they had lately, are they? I suppose they've just gone on, not got to let yesterday's result get them down too much you know that one result doesn't send you down they're still close enough that that, that there's um 
you know, a couple more wins could could do it for them. Absolutely. Well, well, Joe, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Just give us a little uh, plug of your blog again and your podcast and website. Yeah, so uh, off the line, uh, off the line blog on Twitter. Um, obviously, we'll have uh, we'll have our team of the year shortlists coming out fairly soon. Just get that little plug in there. So uh, we'll have our team of the year uh, shortlist ready for you to to vote on uh, the outstanding performers in the division uh, for all of the leagues in uh, non-league. So uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, and Dicky, thank you as always. No, you're very welcome. Uh, it's good to see you both and. Uh, yeah, some interesting games to look forward to in midweek. Absolutely. And keep an eye on our Twitter as well, at NL Full Time, because we'll be announcing the manager and player and volunteer of the month from each of the three divisions throughout the day there. And give us a follow as well on Instagram, NL Full Time. Subscribe to us and leave a review, and then you'll get each podcast uploaded to your device. Until then, have a great week, whether you're out watching a game or you're just following it elsewhere. And we'll be back next week. See you all very soon. <laughs>